0: Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The (sighs) Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. But we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families will never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. Now, that peace of mind means so much. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to seven eight five eight three three. That's B-O-B-B-Y to seven eight five eight three three. Welcome to episode 240. Eddie, sit with me for the first part, and uh, we'll talk to Jaron from Cadillac 3 in a little bit. Cadillac 3 has a new record out, but I'm a big fan of that guy. So we'll talk to him coming up. But first, Eddie, how are you today?
1: I'm good, man. How are you?
0: Pretty good. Uh, promote your podcast before we get
1: started. Uh yes, The Sore Losers. It's uh it's me, Raymundo, and Lunchbox from the show. Um, you know, and we're just guys. We do a lot of guy talk. Uh, we also talk about sports, but right now it's really hard to talk about sports because there just ain't any sports. So we tell little stories of our lives and what we're doing in quarantine and all that. And I think Ray's one of the funniest guys in the world. So he it's just there's a lot of humor in it. Uh, the sore losers that's eddie's payment
0: for coming on as a special correspondent here
1: (laughs) yes thank you i'll bill you
0: but also eddie is a massive music nerd like i am i think we probably could have done this podcast together you know because we both are such music nerds but um what i wanted to talk about today do you know the topic today i do mike d told me okay it's 10 big hits that were not sung by the lead singer which is super interesting now you may have heard me talk about the oasis one already is that right
1: yeah, well, I've heard you guys play clips, so I'm okay. like, I cannot wait to hear this. I don't know the story, though.
0: Okay. So this is Don't Look Back in Anger, Oasis 1996, which, by the way, what's the story, Morning Glory? was Jam. For that time, 1996, I was a 15-slash-16-year-old kid. This album, to me, is one of the biggest records that came out for my teenage years. I, I didn't become an Oasis super fan. For a lifetime, because they didn't put out anything else I'd really like. Maybe a song on a later record, but this <laughs> right. was, this was it though for me. I loved it.
1: You know, top fifteen album of life. I remember in high school, Allison Wheelock, hottest girl in high school, one hundred percent. She was. She came up to me because she knows I'm a, I'm a big music fan. She came up to me. She's like, "Have you heard?" Like the new Oasis album? And I was like, yes. So now forever in my mind, hot girl in high school and I, we bonded over Oasis. And what's the story, Morning Glory?
0: That's funny because I remember Aubrey Mitchell coming up and she had this record at her house and I, was, I knew all the songs. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, we can talk. Because I wasn't cool and she was like the super cool, popular pretty girl. That's it. But it was like almost one of the She would talk to me about church and about music and that was all I had. Otherwise, <laughs> why would you talk to me? But, so this record comes out in 1996. Uh, Don't Look Back in Anger is the song that I just played here. If you'll play that again, Mike. Sorry, we talked over the
2: so whole
0: So, it was sung by Noel Gallagher, who's not the lead singer. Liam is the lead singer of Oasis. But this was the first single where Noel sang instead of Liam. He went to Liam, and he had two songs. He said, hey, Liam, I got two songs for you. <laughs> and you can pick which one you want me to sing. And he presented him Wonderwall and Don't Look Back in Anger. Wow. And, of course, Liam chose Wonderwall. But that is Noel singing Don't Look Back in Anger. Here's one. But this song, again, was like the ultimate teenage song where we thought we were just, like, struggling with life. But I like, oh, man. For sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the All the sadness out of this song. What was your favorite out of these two, Bones?
0: Well, I think they're, I think they're different and by the way when I did top 15 albums I don't mean to 15 favorite albums I mean top 15 mm-hmm. impression albums sure
1: sure made a big impression in yes life.
0: that like when I think back at certain eras of my life um oh I think Wonderwall hit me hard and scooped me up as a to make me a fan of the band okay. because it was a bigger radio song but if I had to pick now with a lifetime to live with them and which one I listen to most probably Don't Look Back in Anger
1: yeah yeah, same for me because Wonderwall was the hit. Yeah, I mean that was the one that we listened to all the time on the radio. But I remember I saw them at Austin City Limits Music Festival and they played "Don't Look Back in Anger" and I was like, "Wow!" I completely missed on how good this song is, and I still probably listen to that song now more than Wonderwall.
0: Well, there's always Champagne Supernova. You can't forget about Champagne, <laughs> Champagne Supernova on that record, <laughs> of course, because it was Wonderwall. Champagne Supernova was a big hit for them. "Don't Look Back in Anger" was a hit for them, but not not how freaking Wonderwall just launched and created a whole era of white kids with acoustic guitars at parties yeah. that knew three songs, but that was the one they played over and over again. Yep. So, okay, that was one song. That's pretty fun, right? The lead singer didn't even sing that song.
1: Yeah, that was awesome.
0: But the thing about Oasis was those two guys look so similar anyway, those two brothers. And they sound the same, too. And they, <laughs> you know, right. So it's a fun fact, but they don't really sound a whole lot different. Okay, the next one up is the Eagles, 1975. The song Ooh. is Take It to the Limit. Uh.
1: What do you know? Uh, okay, so I think is it the bassist that sings it? Yeah. The only way I know this is because when we went to go see him at the show, I'm like, "Hey, look at that guy. I don't know who I don't know his name, and like, he's singing." Did he win a contest? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was he caller 10 to be able to do this? It's amazing. Bose, do you remember he broke his foot or something and he was sitting down with his foot up the whole show?
0: Mm-mm. I don't. I, I yeah. knew this from the documentary nah. when, when I really saw it because it was like he was singing it and they were talking about oh, they all sang, but he sang the least. The, this is the bassist, not, because he sang, how do. Take
1: it to the yeah. limit,
0: sung by the original bassist, Randy Meisner. Randy's performance of the song was popular with the audiences but disputes over his reluctance to perform it would also directly lead to his departure from the band. Oh, wow. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he came back. They all came back. (laughs) Yeah. If they're alive, they came back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, even Joe Walsh.
0: Yeah. So, but the Eagles, they didn't really have a lead, lead, lead singer, and that Mm -hmm. person changed. Maybe that's what, you know, the lead singer kind of changed with the Eagles a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the only one, though, would be Glenn Fry because he was the front man. And, you know, when Don Henley started singing, he was singing
0: from the drums. Yeah. Wasn't the lead singer, but kind of had a voice that you couldn't say no to. So he started getting more and more songs. So yeah. that, that lead singer kind of tr- transitioned in that band more than they started with going. We have multiple lead singers.
1: Right, and who was the guy that you that you read his book or something? He, I think, he wrote. Um, well, first Hotel of all, California.
0: Joe Walsh and I presented the CMAs together.
1: Right, I'm not talking about him though.
0: How many how many Eagles can you name?
1: Oh, <laughs> okay. A Joe Walsh, Glenn Frey. Uh, Do you know what Don?
0: Glenn, what What is Glenn Frey like to you? What is he to you?
1: He is the lead the lead guy. He is. In. Yes,
0: because I at this point after all the and again they they weren't our band right? They're a little older than us. Mm-hmm. But to me, Don Henley is the lead singer of the Eagles.
1: Yeah, and, to me, he's the drummer.
0: Yeah, that too. But, um, okay, go ahead. Who else?
1: Uh, Don Henley. And I think the guy that I was thinking of was Don Felder.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, good. Okay. Good for you. There's been a bunch of them. So there's been, let me look at this whole thing here. There's a lot of people that have been in the freaking Eagles, but they're not the wow. main ones, right?
1: Is Vince Gill he's in that li- list he's too? He's listed, listed, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh Timothy B. Schmidt too is listed. And I think he sang on some of them as well. Wow. Did it Mike, will you look up and see if if I'm reading his name as Timothy B. Schmidt, but it seems like I've seen him <laughs> sing songs too. Yeah, he has. He has? Yeah. Any singles? Mm. Cause I feel like the Eagles could have could have been put in this category a bunch.
1: Did they ever put um Jackson Brown in that list?
0: In the list that oh. I have now, no. Okay. But I just Googled other members of the Eagles. Yeah. What songs did he sing, Mike?
1: I'm not coming
0: up. It's all right. Who cares? We're on to the next one anyway. Let me have to find an example. <laughs> Move <ones>. on. <laughs> uh, Blue Oyster Cult, 1976, Don't Fear the Reaper.
1: Nice. That's the Cowbell song. Yeah, like their biggest song, basically. Yes.
0: Sung by guitarist Buck Dharma, who was not the lead singer. Released as an edited single, the song was Blue Oyster Cult's highest chart success. Released uh, reaching number 12.
1: Wow.
0: Now, to be fair, all five members of Blue Oyster Cult sang, and Eric Bloom was the most frequent lead singer. But And Buck did sing on tracks, but he wasn't the lead singer. But their biggest song wasn't lead singer. I would always get so annoyed because I, w- I like the Goo Goo Dolls. You can judge me if you want. Loved no, no, them. I'll judge you. 90s, early 2000s. Still like them. Like Johnny Resnick but they let the bassist always sing like two or three songs on the record. (laughs) the bassist always sound like this. (laughs) Mike, see if you can find a Goo Goo Dolls with that bassist singing. And then I went and watched them again a couple years ago in Nashville and the bassist got up and sang a couple songs and I was always like, like, oh, come on. But he would get up and he he had long hair. I don't know if he has long hair anymore, but he would like headbang while he sang.
1: (laughs) You, you just feel like, like Googadolls. Goo Stop yeah, that You just
0: feel like It was an agreement They made way early In the band we <laughs> like listen Chuck We'll give you two songs Every record Just play the bass for us man You're the best <laughs> Mike we'll come back To the Goo, Goo Dolls Whenever you find that
1: His name is Robbie though Oh yeah
0: uh, Robbie <laughs> listen man We know you're You're a terror with the bass But man I wanna I wanna sing Yeah but Robbie <laughs> Listen You're not as good as Johnny He looks good He sounds good <laughs> But I just got it in me But Robbie
1: I think this, this one This
0: it Okay here Eddie
1: this is the bassist of the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, come on. I, yeah. I, let me, let me hear some more of that. It's not bad. He's just not the Goo Goo Dolls. No, that's the thing, man. These, these lead singers voices, they yeah. are the sound of the band. So when you bring in Jimmy or whatever, like everyone's like, who is this?
0: I always get, I've probably seen them 10 times in concert. That's a lot. And I've I'd always get, I'd be like, all right, here we go. Well, Billy, the bassist has got to take us nine minutes. So, I
1: didn't know that you were that big of a Goo Goo Dolls fan.
0: I wouldn't say they're one of my favorite bands of all time, but, but if you they were around, times, I would go. Dude. I love wow. Dizzy Up The Girl, uh, A Boy Named Goo. Those were records that I knew every song to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not embarrassed, though. I would have Johnny Resnick on our show if he came to town. That Man, like would awesome. play. Yeah. Uh, here Comes The Sun from The Beatles.
1: Maybe you know mm. this one.
0: Here comes the sun. Eddie, do you know who sings this? Said.
1: Yeah. George. He wrote it. I'm telling you, I, I play this game with my kids. This is what we do all the time. We're like, all right, which Beatles sing in this one? Really? And they're get, Yeah, and they're getting pretty good at it. They can start to hear the, the tones yes. like, of their voice? I think the two that they just get mixed up a lot are just obviously Paul and John because sometimes, sometimes they sound similar. George Harrison but,
0: wrote the song in 1969 at the country house of his friend Eric Clapton. It became one of the Beatles' best-known songs. George Harrison's recognition of the songwriter had previously been reserved for his bandmates John Lennon and Paul McCartney only.
1: So, well, just like Jimmy from Goo Goo Dolls, I think I feel like Ringo too had some side of backdoor deal that was like, "Hey, you got to let me sing on albums too." Well, you because know, they,
0: lend me a and I sing you a song. I will try not to get you know, and that's Ringo,
1: right? And so is yeah. Yellow Submarine.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. It's like the peculiar songs. They put the peculiar voice on. <laughs> right. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, we got we got a
1: mashup here. Oh, no. oh come <laughs> on, DJ Distro.
0: Knows where we've been,
1: in his yeah, that's Ringo. In
0: it's like any of the talk songs <laughs> they gave to Ringo. It's like the songs that William Shatner does now. <laughs> any of the Shatner type yes. songs they just gave. It's Sounds like slam
1: poetry, is what he does.
0: Another one, Africa from Toto, 1983. Here you go. Sung by the keyboardist, David Page. It was the band's only number one song. The initial idea and lyrics for the song came from David Page. He was playing around with a new keyboard, the CS80, and found a brassy sound that became the opening riff. He completed the melody and the lyrics for the chorus in about 10 minutes and then sang on the recording. The leader that lead singer Bobby Kimball only sang Backup. I have a friend that saw them in concert and he said this was kind of weird when they played this song because <laughs> the keyboard played and sang and the other guy, the lead singer was on a little stage aside from the rest of the band. Oh, wow. And it was the only time where he just kind of stood over there oddly and didn't really do much. Weird. No. <laughs> They're like, all right, Jimmy, take it away. Uh, the Cars, 1978, Just What I Needed.
2: I guess you just what I needed. Just what I needed. I needed to
0: feed. It was from... Their debut album, 1978, the song, which its demo is what got put on the radio, it's sung by bass player Benjamin Orr, and not by Rick okay Rick sick is how, I think I say his name
1: right? Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's crazy because I don't hear the difference between their voices because I feel like this song sounds like every other car song.
0: What's the most streamed car song, Mike? Eddie, what do you think the most streamed car song is?
1: I would think it's um dun dun. dun, dun, dun. I don't tend you heaven here. Mm. Wasting all my time, time Oh, that's just what I needed, isn't it? Yeah. Um so just what I needed, yeah. Mike. Nope. What is it? It's drive. Oh yeah. Which one's that one?
0: Who's gonna drive you home? Ah, yes. And this has gotta be from movies more so than back <laughs> in the day, right? Yeah. Like movies and TV shows? Yeah. What's number two on the list? Uh,
1: Just What I Needed. What's three? And My Best Friend's Girl. Play that Ooh. one. It's My Best Friend's Girl. Oh, yeah.
2: See,
1: right, right there. Doesn't that the sound like the same dude that sings Just What I Needed? She'll make you I
0: got to tell you, I never listened or cared that much. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, oh, I mean, I like the song. What's number four? Uh, number four is You Might Think. Hit that one. Let's see. Oh yeah, I'm surprised this one isn't bigger. At
1: three at least. It's a good one. They all have the same style. That's funny to me. This I see that's a good fact that they're that Benny, is that his name? Ben, the dude that sang just what I needed?
0: Benjamin Orr. Yeah. Benny. Benjamin. Eddie's already nicknamed
1: him. <laughs> Benny Benny.
0: <laughs> My man Benny. <laughs> that's a good one. That yep. wow, they have any other hits? Uh, good times roll is the next one. Oh, let the, oh come
1: on, dude! Let
0: the good, let times, let the good times, roll. times roll! God, that's a jam, too. Are they in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Uh, aren't they up for it? Aren't they one of the ones that's been snubbed? At this point, when you have this many massive hits... See. Yes. Yeah, it's a jam. Let
1: the good times roll. Oh, yeah,
0: 2018. They made it, Very huh? Good. Mm-hmm. So they must have another hit at least, right? If they got in. You're thinking one more? I'm thinking they need one more. You need six. What else you got? Let's see. Moving in stereo. See, it's that one.
1: mm
0: Uh-uh. Hit the next one. Let's go.
1: Oh, it's down 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 down. down, down. Nah, nah, Listen to this. Nah.
0: Oh yeah, I know this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we got the 6. Bones. We do got the 6. What what's the next one? Uh, magic. Huh. I think I'm going to know this one. Do you believe in magic? <laughs> Too much of these get high sounds at the beginning. <laughs> like let's get to the sounds like the other
1: one. They
0: discovered oh, yeah, the synthesizer. Oh yeah,
2: magic.
1: Oh yeah. Uh,
0: magic wow they got seven holy crap what else we're going through that whole cars (laughs) segment here what else do the cars have and they have next up shake it up shake it up up. (laughs) come on wow who knew guys you can call me a music idiot if you want they're a little before my time but i'm usually pretty good on classic rock i didn't know they had this many massive songs eddie did you either
1: no not no no dance
0: all night i mean i know them all all right anymore and the last one is Bye Bye Love. Bye Bye Love. Yeah, close.
1: Oh, yeah, I know that one. You do? Let me hear longer. Mm-hmm. You do know this one, Eddie? I do, yeah. Huh. Well,
0: I learned a little bit tonight that I'm a much bigger Cars fan than I thought I was. <laughs> Huh? Okay. More of these artists, uh, bands who lead singer didn't sing the biggest songs. Uh, Beth from Kiss. I know the song from Role Models. Yeah. (laughs) The movie Role Models. Never saw it. It's all Kiss songs. Yeah. It's funny because Paul Rudd is in it, Mm -hmm. and it's a good movie. But they sing all Kiss songs through it. There's a part where he sings this. Uh, This is sung by the drummer, Peter Chris. Who's it's, the lead singer of Kiss? Gene, right? Gene Simmons? No. Is he not? Ace Freely? So. It's Ace Freely. Okay. I guess Gene Simmons is the guy we know.
1: Yeah. But Ace is Freely the is the mm-hmm. lead singer? Yeah. Who was Paul Stanley?
0: Another one. One of them? Another one. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's them, right? Oh, no, wait. Paul Stanley's the lead singer. Ace Freely's the guitar player. Okay. What's Gene okay. Simmons? The bassist? Bassist, yep. Wow. Wow. Who knows? They all dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the highest charting single in the US reaching number 7 Peter Chris sings the song was written by Chris and guitarist Stan Penridge the song was written before Chris had joined the band while they were members of the band Chelsea during the recording sessions for the song Chris was the only KISS member in the studio making it the only KISS song that features no instrumental performances by any member of the band I'm surprised they let that song
1: go and happen (laughs) yeah I know lucky him what do you always say though right place right time I don't know. Do you ever say that? Yeah, I made that up. Oh, who, who cares? <laughs>
0: 1986, Heart. Here's These Dreams. These dreams oh, yeah. when close my eyes. Sung by guitarist Nancy Wilson. It was actually one of the two songs they were offered by outside songwriters. The other one was, We Built This City, which mm-hmm. became a hit for Starship. But sisters Ann Wilson and Nancy Wilson had a straightforward division of labor. Nancy played guitar, and handled all the lead vocals. But when they had gone a few years without a hit, they were offered two songs. Bernie Tober one of the songs, one of Elton John's, the guy Elton John writes with all the time. Oh, wow. They picked these dreams and had Nancy sing it, sing it, which she did with a cold, and it was their first number one song. She wasn't the real singer all the time. I didn't know
1: that. Uh, I didn't know that either. I do, I do know Nancy, Nancy's she's, she's the blonde one, um, tall blonde one, and she's married to the director, the director that did... Um, Almost Famous, Jerry Maguire. Eddie, What's his excuse name? me, uh, Mike, you know the movie, the movie people. Who's the director, the director
0: that did- of it? Is Barry
1: Toome? Yeah, Cameron Crowe. That's him, Cameron Crowe. Mary- he, he does all the music movies, singles and the, the one where the guy holds up the radio, say anything, he did all those.
0: Let's do Grand Funk Railroad, We're an American Band. Well, American it is sang by the drummer Don Brewer. It was their first number one song. It was sung by Don Brewer. And then his voice actually lent them in to be a top 40 band. Like, because of this, it kind of crossed him over because he was a little more palatable, apparently. And I'll give you one more. Happy from the
1: Rolling Stones. You know this? How about, can, can you name all the Rolling Stones members? Yeah, I think so. But that's Keith Richards singing that one, by the way. Wow. I didn't even know he could He could barely talk. He can sing. I don't know that he's singing that great there. <laughs>
0: Uh, how many Rolling Stones can you name? Keith, obviously. Two, two. Mick Jagger, um, Keith Jagger, Mick Richards. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> oh, oh, no, Charlie. no, I can do one more. Charlie. Nope. Mm-mm. You know, there's a Charlie. Oh, and- is he the? Is yeah. he the drummer? Yeah. <gasps> Charlie Watts. Yeah. Dang, Bones, good one.
0: Who else do you know from the Rolling Stones? Ronnie Wood. Oh yeah, man, those guys are old and still rocking it, huh? Yeah. Ronnie Wood, Keith Richards, Mick Jagger. Who else is that? Is that all of them? Do we nail I mean, them all? I guess
1: all? there was. I think there was just four. So good old Charlie.
0: I guess we can go back and look at some other people. Brian Jones was he in? He died. Past member. He died. Hmm. Yeah, he died. Dang. Twenty-seven. Well, those are all lead singers that. No, no singers that sang mm. lead that weren't the lead singer of their group. So there you go. I will say this too. Maddie and Tay have a new record out this week. If you're looking for new music, usually we come on on Fridays and do the new music. Not a ton out as far as new stuff that we were going to talk about, but Maddie and Tay have a new record. Other music news, Jake Owen announced that Made For You is his next single, which that's my favorite Jake Owen song. That's when I, I mean, it was over a year ago. Jake and I were together at a charity event and he's like, I never played this song before anybody anymore. And he started playing a song. You know, you just hear people play songs. And he starts playing the song, and I was like, dude, that's my favorite song you've ever done. Mm-hmm. And he's like, thanks, man. And he didn't write it. And he was like, "You yeah, know, I didn't write it. I went and found it. But the first time I heard it, I loved it. And I was like, that's cool. I always feel weird, though, when I tell people my favorite song they ever done is a song they didn't write. I did that with Brad Paisley once. <laughs> I was like, man, my favorite song you've ever done is Whiskey Lullaby. That's my jam. And he was he's like, like, oh, like, that's thanks. the one I didn't he's write. He's like, that's dude, the one think. I didn't write. Yeah. <laughs> But so what? You picked it. You sang it. The songwriter yeah. got money. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then Kip Moore announced he's putting out a record in May. So, all that's going on. Mike, anything I missed? That's it. Eddie, anything you'd like to say?
1: Oh, I, I do want to mention too that I've, I've been listening to a little bit of John Prine because he just died and I didn't, I'll be honest, I, I had, had no idea what John Prine sang really or what, I knew none of his music. I knew he had done Angels from Montgomery. Mm-hmm. For Bonnie Raitt. But that's, Yeah, but that's about it. And man, I've kind of the last couple of days just been going down and listening to his songs. And I think I'm just a fan, like a really big fan of his music, especially his old music. It's real singer, songwriting, folk music, kind of like Bob Dylan with a really good, with a much better voice.
0: Well, the thing about John Prine was he never had hits, right? Not real hit hits. Yeah. So when he died, I saw a lot of John Prine posers out there being like such a big John Prine fan. Yeah, a- and because he's so cool, and I didn't do a huge tribute to him on the radio show, our radio show, because like, he wasn't mm-hmm. really a country guy. He yeah. wrote a bunch of songs. Like Chris Christopherson was a big champion of John Prine. A lot of those guys championed and played his songs,
1: right? Because he was the underground yes. folk singer that was yeah. the cool scene.
0: Um, but I, you never seen Posers come out of the woodwork until mm-hmm. John, Pr- and it was. And I know these people. I like you never listened to John Prine in your life. <laughs> But, yeah, Angel from Montgomery is awesome. Bonnie Raitt just sur- really- she searched for a hit. She had a, a following, a great voice, couldn't get a hit. Yeah. And there's a cool version of him doing it from back in the day, obviously, when he sang it. But that, this was kind of the song that launched her into the mainstream for, yeah. to make Bonnie Raitt a big success. And I'm not a John Prine super fan, but I do know John Prine and know story a story of it. But, yeah, yeah, I saw so many people being like, I'm just devastated. I'm like, name three songs. Before you search it. <laughs> and I hope you do now and become a fan now. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I am, man. I, I just didn't know anything about it. But at least you're it. open and
0: honest about it, Eddie. I'm going to give you a treat. Nice job.
1: Thank you, man. Seriously. But I, but I, I am a fan now. It sucks that he had to die for me to be a fan, but I am a fan now. I like it a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, I saw Joe Diffie had two, maybe three songs hit the top 100
1: country chart again after Joe yeah. died. Isn't that, isn't that interesting how people just want to listen to that music now that they know that they, they're gone?
0: Well, it just reminds you, when you say they die, you're like, oh, man, there's a part of my life that I spent with that person. I'd like to go re-experience that again
1: yeah. now because it's reminding yeah. me of it. But yeah, I did it with Kenny Rogers, too. Same thing. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay, we're going to take a little break and come back with Jaron from the Cadillac 3. I think you're going to like this interview. I like Jaron anyway, but this interview turned out great. There's a part of this interview coming up, Eddie, where he talks about Porter Wagner cussing at him. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Th- that's coming up. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Takova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, then with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Tacovas.com And don't go gently, y'all. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music Hey, Jaron, what's happening, dude? Hey, Bobby. How you doing, bub? It's, good. it's kind of a weird question to ask what's happening because I think we all know exactly what's happening with everybody at this point.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a weird time, bro.
0: You know, I find myself, because I'm still doing my radio show every day, that I look forward now to that block where I know that I'm going to be working. Where it wasn't that I didn't look forward to it before, but now it's like I'm look, I look forward to that piece of structure. What are you doing to kind of keep your schedule structured a
2: bit? Man, um, I, mean, I know exactly what you're saying there too. I feel like it, my, when I'm, we're doing all these writing sessions now, like via Zoom, you know, the inter the, the internet or whatever, and it's like FaceTiming. I'm sure you guys are doing meetings with it and stuff too. But uh, I look forward to it so much because I'm not just sitting there <laughs> w- wondering what's wrong with the world and if it's going to get fixed. And so I'm basically just being creative and writing and you know trying to trying to write the, the next Cadillac Three record and write some hits for other people man
0: so what's a zoom writing session like
2: it's weird dude the first i say the first like two were tough and then you kind of get used to it and actually like i'm really enjoying it now because i've got it i got it down and i've got all the you know there's like 15 screens in my little studio room everything's running at once so it's kind of like flying a little plane so it's it adds a couple extra challenges in that and songwriters can get stuck in a rut, you know? And so this is kind of cool. It adds a little dynamic to it.
0: First time I've talked to you really since you put the record out, I know I did a little uh, promotional piece for you guys as you were putting it out, and I've listened to the record. But, I mean, congratulations on putting out another full project, man.
2: Thanks, buddy. It's You know what? I don't take that lightly because it's hard for artists to get records out these days, you know, like full records, man.
0: Yeah, so well, what was the difference in maybe doing this record whenever... I would assume you have a little more freedom this time to do what you want because you know who you are a little bit more. What was the difference in this record and the last one?
2: Uh, I think the last one we were kind of trying a little too hard, and this one we were a little bit more, like you're saying, you know, like maybe more confident. And, uh, you know, it's just like anything. It's like working out. If you work out, your muscles get bigger. You know, if you're doing this stuff a little longer, your, your production skills get better, your songwriting gets better. and. I think this one we kind of stuck to a vibe that, you know, kind of was a little bit more cohesive than the other records that we've done.
0: And you produced this record, too. Right? Am I right about that? Yeah. So you're producing skills. Again, I'm just going from memory here. Didn't you produce some of Kelly Bannon's stuff, too?
2: Yeah, man. I did Kelly's record. I just did Drake White's new thing and a um, bunch, of, bunch of cool stuff, man. I've been lucky. So what,
0: what's, what is it for you, then? Because you're writing songs for other folks. You're producing records now. Obviously, the Cadillac 3. Like, where is this going to end up for you in five years, in your mind? I hope
2: hope down at my beach house, man. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you, brother. I'm trying to, I've got as many irons on the fire right now just so I can get out of here. Wait, so <laughs> what is it as a producer?
0: Because I think I'll, most folks, and I wouldn't have known until I went and did a comedy record, but what is it as a producer? Like, what do you do? Let's, let's take you out of Cadillac 3 right now and take you out of songwriting. But you're just Jaron the producer. Let's say... Drake White comes up to you. Love Drake. Love his sound. He says, hey, man, I want to do this project. Like, what are your roles as a producer whenever that happens?
2: Well, usually, man, it's like when when somebody calls a producer, or like in, at least Mike, from what I've gotten from this, they usually like what I do on my my stuff, at least. You know what I mean? Like, the most calls I get, they're usually somebody pairing us up because, um, or, you know, like Drake, he he likes the way the Cadillac stuff sounds. Or... or you know, they hear these these crappy demos that I do to pitch to artists for country song, you know, like for to to record, and they love the way those things sound. And so, I, I guess you kind of just get put in those places. And you know, I'm a huge Drake White fan, huge Kelly Bannon fan. So it was like getting to getting to do that. I, you know, as soon as somebody calls and say, "Hey, can you make me sound raw and dirty but still kind of accessible?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, that's what I try to do." You know.
0: So you go into the studio, and you're the guy that. Basically tells, hey, we need more guitar, more drums. But what if we added another xylophone? I'm just making crap up here. But what if we added a xylophone? Like it's your creative, like macro vision, right?
2: Well, you try to be. I mean, like the way I usually do it is, we have the artist come in and they sing live in the room with, with me and the engineer, and then we have a guitar player, player, a drummer and a bass player and then I'm also playing guitar in there and usually I get the meat and the potatoes in the studio and then I get out of the studio and take it home or to the bus and I do everything else, all the background vocals, all the programming, all the overdubs wow. and it just lives in my head for about three weeks and that's how I, that's that way you don't have to, you cut out a lot of the cooks in the kitchen, you know what I mean?
0: Where did this music education come from as far as like early,
2: Jaron? Um, growing up in Nashville, man, you know I was born here and I think that, you know, it's, you know, my dad was in it growing up and just being around it constantly and then watching things. You know, growing up in Nashville when country music was Garth Brooks and Clint Black and, you know, Faith Hill and all these mega huge, you saw how big a country star could be. You know, Garth was wearing a damn headset flying around the room. Um, And you realize that, oh, this is kind of rock and roll. You know what I mean? So I think that I just kind of, from, you know, six, seven years old, on, I was kind of just really intrigued and excited about music, and it was it turns out it was the only thing I was really good at. So,
0: wait, so what did your dad do in the business?
2: He plays. Uh, he's a drummer. He he was the drummer at the Grand Ole Opry for shoot twenty five thirty years. He still plays there occasionally, and uh, yeah. So I kind of got to go go to the Grand Ole Opry every weekend. That was my kind of my babysitter when I was a kid.
0: Oh, that's cool. Do you have any stories about seeing anybody super cool and like now they'd be called old school at the Opry where you had a moment with them?
2: Oh man, I've got there's so many Bobby like um, Porter, I remember Porter Wagner. i stumbled into his dressing room. I was probably 11 or 12, and he had this huge bodyguard named Tony. I think was his name, and he's kind of mafia like Sopranos esque, but he's a you know a Nashville guy. <laughs> so um, he was very intimidating, and so Porter came in there and yelled at me and told me to get the <laughs> get the f out of his out of his dressing room. <laughs> and my dad went up to Porter and the, and Tony and said, if you ever talk to my kid like that again, your ass. Wow. Porter Wagner, man.
0: Yeah, that's a great one. Wow, wow, wow. I had no idea. That's cool. Uh, I do want to talk about the record here um, and play a few songs from it. I'm going to play a clip of Cracking Cold Ones with the Boys. Here you go. Cracking Cold Ones with the Boys. Cracking Cold Ones with the Boys. I'm going to do the generic thing here. I go, hey, just tell me about this song, like, what you think about when you, you, think, when you hear this song back.
2: Well, it's, it's hilarious because, it, you know, it's it's just a you know, we've never done a beat like that, either the Gary Glitter, we're going to kick the hell out of you. And so Neil and I had that track, and, and the, I don't know if you've looked, you usually do, you're usually pretty good about this, but there's seven co-writers on that song. So you know, a- like that? anybody
0: that yelled out a word in the room, you're, you're on
2: the track. Yeah. Is that how it went? It's it's our band, it's our whole band and our whole crew on the road. Oh wow, it is. <laughs> yeah, so it's like if if you look at that and didn't know, you're like, wow, this is so stupid. It took seven people to write this moronic song, <laughs> you know. So, it's, but I like it. It's fun. It's a fun to play uh, live, and you know, we wrote that thing just because I want to be in hockey arenas. You know, that's the best, I wanted to go to a Predators game and hear that song.
0: That does feel like the boom. boom. You know, when you mention Gary Glitter, for those that are, are listening and don't know who that is, um, by the way, not the best dude, but a, a song that. Right. Dun, 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 like, that's Gary Glitter. And so if yeah. people miss that reference. Uh, how about this one? Hard Out Here for a Country Boy. I'll play a little bit of All right, give me that one.
2: Dude, um, rode it with Jeremy Stover and Neil on the bus. And we were out on the road with Travis Tritt and Charlie Daniels. And so Travis was, I played him some of the record on the bus one night. We were, I mean, we were getting after it. You know, we were drinking pretty good. And it was probably about 3 in the morning. And they're trying to, bus drivers are trying to get everybody off the bus to leave. And he's like, no, play me another, play me another. And that one came on. And the next day in Soundcheck, I heard him playing it. And so I said, man, you want to sing on it? He goes, yeah, because on the road, you know how it is. There's nothing but time. So I was like, he's like, well, I, when are you want to do it, I go, what are you doing right now? And he goes, nothing. So he came over to the bus and sang it in the back lounge. And then Jansen called me during that little session. He said, what are you doing? I said, man, I'm recording tea right now. You ain't going to believe this for the new Cadillac record. And he goes, well, what's the song? I go, "Cracking Cones." Or, uh, sorry, I go, Hard Out Here for a country boy he goes well send it to me i want to sing on it <laughs> you know you know you know how crazy he is he probably had 15 mountain Dews by that <laughs> time in the day um and so he i sent the track and he sent it back the next day and put harmonica on it and everything i just like it was one of those things that like so easily came together and was so fun man
0: we tried to line that one up to get all of you guys up in the studio for that one we couldn't quite get all the schedules to work but that was the one when i first heard the record and heard that one, i called uh tom lord who's my man. And I was like, hey, let's get Jaron and, and Jansen and Travis. And I don't think Travis was able to get down. But that's a jam. Like, that's a that's a good one.
2: Thanks, man. Hey, Bobby, Travis doesn't leave a house for less than a quarter million dollars.
0: You know, <laughs> I've heard stories about people trying to hire Travis, and it's like, wait, how much? Like, you need to tell me before yeah. I even get out. Of- yeah, so we weren't able to make that happen for promotional uh, Cadillac 3. So, so sorry about that.
2: It's all good, man.
0: Um, you know, I was reading this article about you guys whenever – the intro of the album came out and it was from Rolling Stone. It said, why the Cadillac three are Nashville's most uncompromising band 15 years together. And without a country radio hit, the trio refused to chase trends on the new album. Now, as complimentary as that is, because for a long time, what I was doing and because I would get on country radio and just be like, Hey, I have other influence. Like I grew up in Arkansas and I love country music, but I listened to nineties hip hop. I was an alternative guy. And they would say, oh, the bad boy. But eventually, I didn't want to be the... I wanted my style to be so good that everyone else would do it, right? And so whenever someone writes a headline like this, a little bit are you like, I appreciate that, but we're trying to break through so hard that we want people to follow us. We want to be the style. Does that ever pop in your head?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's kind of what they were trying to say there, but you know how press can be. And um, that whole that whole interview um, thing or that whole piece is us hanging out with a writer who is a super sweet, very talented writer, very cool person, um, throwing axes at that battle axe place in East Nashville. Yeah, And and literally, like, so you're writing this whole thing about the history of a band, this new record and all this stuff, and spending an hour with them, you know, and doing, playing a redneck sport. I don't think that, you know, when, when those conversations did happen a little bit in that thing, I think I think I, I you know, I hear when I hear something like that at this point in our careers, I'm just happy they didn't say, you know, this record sucked ass, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or like or, you know, these guys are trying to be something they're not. At least they're saying things in a positive way. Um, I do know what you're saying though, and I think that um the reason the band that we are and what we're kinda morphing into and uh the more confident we get and the the bigger that we're getting, more successful um worldwide is I think that's giving us a thing where it is working, whether it's with radio or not, you know, or, or whatever. I think that our mentality is if we keep doing our whole thing, I think radio at some point will, won't will really have a choice because it'll be, you know, kind of like look at Eric Church, the way that happened. He got to a point so big, he selling so many damn tickets that it didn't, like they could not play it because people were calling in and asking for it, and that's when you win. Um, and he did that by following his own vibe the whole time. So, I mean, we're trying to do that. At least, I don't know if that answered your question or not. But
0: if I were writing the story, a different story, I would go the band that a lot of other artists and bands have stolen their sound from, but that they just haven't popped with a song on radio. Because listen, there's a lot of derivatives of Cadillac Three out there, and I know you. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna say anybody specifically, but I think you probably think this too. Like your style has been taken by a lot of people, and they've ran with it, and They've done well with it. And that's what yeah. I think. Do you feel that way?
2: I feel like yeah, there's a lot of a lot of wannabe clones out there. I think that the way we do it is, you know, obviously a, a different thing, but and it's hard to to accurately clone. I think the way they're winning is they're 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 doing the thing that we kind of refuse to do and that's that's you know, it'd be real easy for me to, you know, record meanwhile back at Mamas or some shit like that or, or beaching, you know. Um but it just it doesn't feel real and that's why you know i'm kind of like two-faced you know i i want to have that 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 creative uh outlet writing songs for other people and then i also want to kick ass and 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 another thing about those clones that you were talking about that are winning i guarantee most of them can't can't fill out their hometown you know so it's like that's that's a lot of, a lot of the difference too
0: well, and before a blog picks up with Jaron's saying, Beachin' or Meanwhile Back at Mama's, he wrote those songs. You wrote those songs. You're not just bashing those songs. What you're saying no, is no. you could have <laughs> taken one of those songs that you wrote for someone else. And, because you know what's going to happen. Someone will hear this and go, uh, Jaron's tr- trashing Jake Owen and Tim McGraw. No, no, not at all. Jaron wrote those songs.
2: So I just want to put that yeah. out there. I trashed Tim McGraw and Jake to their faces. <laughs> I,
0: give a, I just got off the phone with Jake. <laughs> uh, some of the songs so, uh, Jaren wrote. Let me, let me read some of these. Out. I got seven number ones as a songwriter. You got Beachin' Jake Owen, American Country Love Song from Jake, Meanwhile Back at Mama's, Tim McGraw, Southern Girl Tim McGraw, Keith Urban, You Gonna Fly, Raise em Up, Urban and Church, Billy Currington, Don't It. Now, of those songs, Jaren, did you think about taking any of them to Cadillac 3? Um, no, um, Raise
2: Them Up was one of those when people ask me that i look back on and say you know maybe that would have been one that you know but i'm a huge huge keith urban fan you know he's one of my idols and got to be friends with him now And it's like i don't i know that i well i don't know but i don't think that cadillac could have gotten that to where it was and the songs are like babies man you want to go out in the world and do great things and so that's that's the catch-22 of that stuff i think um but the rest of those, no, we didn't even think about
0: them. I see you have a, a coloring book where it's just pictures of sneakers. And I know you're like me, you're a shoe guy. Because I, I, sometimes I'll see yeah. you flex and I'll be like, all right. This is because you got you got a little songwriter money. Because I know how much these shoes cost. You may not put them up there, but I know. Like, I see it. <laughs> uh, what, what's the most... I'm not going to... oh this, this shoe, What's your favorite pair of shoes, recent pair of shoes? Because
2: um, Man, it's tough. I, I kind of stopped. I've stopped recently... Because of, I can't wear them out anywhere, man. I haven't left my house in a month, you know? (laughs) So it's like, I can't just post them on Instagram. Hey, look what I got. But I really like the, um, I have the original fours, the Jordans. I love those. Those are probably my like when I got my first couple checks, you know what I mean? Those are the things. You, you You go, I mean, you might be like this too. I'm sure you are. Like, once you make a little bit of money, and I grew up pretty broke as a kid in East Nashville, and. You know, you didn't have these things. And so you go and you buy all the things you want. You buy that N64. You buy that, uh, those Jordans. You buy those Air Max 97s. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's just so fun. And then you realize, wait, these are, these are such, this is such a weird thing to buy because you can only wear, it's like a car. Yeah. You can only drive one at a time. You can only wear one pair at a time. <laughs> so then you just have shoes everywhere and, and no more money.
0: <laughs> I, I got a, a pair, I ordered a pair of shoes out a month ago before we started locking in our houses. And I got a pair of the, uh, the new Air Max uh, Hunter Orange and Camouflage. They just came out yeah. You know, a few weeks yep. ago, and, and I opened them up, and I hadn't ordered any shoes since I'd been in quarantine, and my girlfriend goes, oh, that's cool. You got a new pair of shoes. Where are you going to wear them, to the kitchen or the bedroom? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. You might go out on the deck. Give them some, give them some vitamin D there.
0: Uh, so, okay, everybody should check out Country Fuzz. Um, it's their fourth album. It came out back in February, but um, that doesn't mean the music is, is any worse now that we're here in April. Um, but if yeah, if, and if yeah. you're you're just now hearing us talk about uh, the Cadillac Three, check them out. I'm a big fan of Jaron as a songwriter. Oh, thanks. Uh, even Kelly's stuff at, when you were producing it, like, you know, listening to it, it was just a new rawer sound for her. I can't wait to hear the Drake stuff. I'm just a fan of you, man.
2: Well, I appreciate it, man. Hey, um, we're dropping something a little special next week, so uh, keep a lookout. It. It's a, a new single, uh, and it's not on the record either because we just we were bored here, and so we <laughs> recorded stuff. I've recorded it all at my house, and then kind of did the rest via Zoom and all that stuff. It's, it's going to be pretty cool, man. You're going to dig it.
0: How do you record via Zoom?
2: Well, I send them the track, and then um, it's, it, you got a link up and all this. I mean, it's, it's, it's recording into iPhones and singing it in real time and then me taking the track. Like, it's
1: Holy it's crap. a
2: real pain in the ass. <laughs> but it sounds cool, and it sounds different, I think, so. All right. than anything that we've done, and that's kind of that's fun, you know?
0: Well, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, man, good luck. Good to talk to you. And hope everybody, the, to, to the folks that haven't really invested any time in listening to you guys, I encourage it. And uh, do to hopefully, I'll see out and about in human life soon. Thanks, Bobby. Stay safe, bud. All right, Jaron. See you, bud. All right, see ya. In every pair of Takova's boots, you can expect handmade quality. First, wear comfort. And timeless Western style. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit Tacova's.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And don't go gently, y'all.